Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It has been a year, a good year. Trust you've had a good year. We've had fun. God has been doing amazing things. It's that time of year everyone goes, I can't believe it's November. You know that? I can't believe it's November. Well, last month was October, next month December. So that's what comes in the middle, uh, November. It's a good thing. The best um, November or Movember chirp I've ever heard was this morning from a very unlikely source. I won't tell you his name, although I'm very tempted to tell you his wife's name. But I asked him, how's that thing going? He's growing one of these Movember things. He said, it was fine until this morning. My wife told me to shave it off. And I turned to her and I said, I don't tell you what to do with your mustache. <laughs> and um, if I told you who it was, you would never believe me. But um, they are happily married and thriving in their marriage. They have a lot of security in that marriage, obviously. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, it's uh, don't try that at home, Michael. Never do that. Never do that. Never, ever, ever do that. Two quick things from my side. Next week, we are dedicating babies. That's exciting. And if you haven't got one by now, get one by next week so we can dedicate them. And um, no, don't do that. But, but, but it's a special, special moment. We're going to be doing it at all our services. We love, and, and really what a baby dedication is, it's a moment as a family, a church family, to stand with families, natural families of these little ones and dedicate them to God. Say, God, actually, these are yours, little kids. Their lives are yours. Their futures are yours. Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you hold them? Would you protect them? Would you fight for them? Would you provide for them? And as a community, we're going to commit to do all of that too. So it's a really special day and a really special moment. Don't miss that. And, and if you know someone, you know, I, I would encourage you as well. Here's a little strategy on how to love people. If you know someone who's got a little one, often people want to have their little ones dedicated to the Lord. They might not be in a church community, and, and this might be an opportunity to invite them to love them. And Why not us as a community to love people who right now don't have people to stand with them in their parenting and loving little ones? So tell people about it, and let's serve them. And we give them lovely little blankets and serve them, and it's a really special moment to serve our city. So we're going to do that next week. And lastly, we have prayer meetings kicking off before every service, and in the evening, we're going to be praying from 20 past 5 to 22 5. Quarter to six, that one. Otherwise, you're going very long. And, um, but come and join us. If you've got an appetite for prayer, if you have something of an intercessory desire in your life, come and pray. And let's trust God to do miracles, both in those times in our meetings, as we trust and pursue God in this incredible gift of prayer. Come and join us. Wonderful. Are you well? You're very serious tonight. Very serious. Don't be so serious. Life is good. Jesus is in control. We are the world champions. Things are good. And um, we continue our series, Eternity Matters, tonight. I trust you enjoyed something of the interview last, night, last week, something different, but explaining and showing some of the reasonings of which we preach and pursue God. This series really trying to position people in faith, position people with a biblical perspective for some big issues in life, an eternal perspective. Too many Christians live overwhelmed by the now without an overwhelming sense of the promise of eternity with Jesus. That has to overwhelm us. That we have to live with something of eternity that is set in our heart. That's what the Bible says. And understand that that grips us and holds us even when the winds blow and the changes come and challenges come. We are held by something of our hope in eternity. 
And Jesus speaks much into eternity, and he calls us to have a perspective on life and a perspective on some of those big areas in life, like money. And too often we've shortchanged the church by just teaching the church how to give rather than giving the church a perspective that is a biblical, eternal perspective that pulls us into the bigger story of the gospel. That's what we're trying to achieve in this series. We're giving it our best go. But I've said it at all the services. I'll say it again. If you push me into a corner and say, tell me what the Bible is. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me the gospel in three words. I'm not going to do it to anyone tonight because it's a rough one. For me, it would be how much more? Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, says, though fathers on this earth know that they are evil. No, let me start again. Though fathers of this earth, though they are evil, know how to give good gifts. How much more the Father in heaven? When I look at the cross, I see the how much more of heaven. When I look at people's lives, like my mate Clint Wheeler at the back there, I see the how much more of heaven. When I look at his creative hand involved in people's lives bringing freedom, I see the how much more of heaven. It doesn't take me much more than that to see who my Father in heaven is. And then my journey on this earth. My journey on this earth is nothing other than trying to be like my Father in heaven. And I've got little ones in my life, a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old and a 6-year-old. And my journey as a father is to show them their father. To do my best in every area of life and faith and navigating the ups and downs, the whirly-twirly situation of life. Say, in every situation, will you hold on to faith? Will you hold on to courage? Would you hold on to the character, the nature, the person of God? That's my job in them. It's not much more than that, but... As we navigated the series, we also wanted to have a moment. I remember being in church for many years and giving for many years faithfully, but not always. I, there was this like, well, where does it go? Anyone else have that thought? You're allowed to have that thought. How do they spend the money? And to be honest, I've never seen a preach or heard a preach where someone told us how to spend the money. And not that we have to and not that the Bible says there's a mandate to, but to be honest, I find it helpful, the language that we use around doing church together, there's a language of Paul in Philippians 1, the language of partnership in the gospel. To partner, it's helpful to know something about your partner. If you're going to get in a financial partnership with someone, you want to know something about how they invest their finances, how they spend their finances to partner in that story. On the flip side, what we could easily do and many churches do is you organize a midweek meeting for those people who really want to know. So number one, if you come to that meeting, you that guy who really wants to know. Already it feels awkward. Then there's just a few people in the room, and um, it gets awkward even more, and it's more of an AGM, so no one actually comes. And the boxes ticks, we told the church about the finances. So we actually do it on a Sunday. And we do it on a Sunday because this is a family moment. We sit with our kids, and I'll have financial conversations with our kids. If, they, if we can't afford DSTV, it's not just turn it off and move on and don't ask for it. No, we, we tell them why. Why we are choosing to spend, how we are investing our finances, and why this decision brings space to our world. And the fact that you're not going to die with it, whatever. Having those conversations as family is important. So we're going to do this on a Sunday. And we put it in the rhythm of the life of the church. Once a year, we do something called, show me the money. Some of you are nervous. You've seen the movie, Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise, show me the money. It's, it's us showing you how we spend the money in the life of this church. But I trust it's more than just ticking a box. I trust you'll see that our endeavor is not just in our prayers and actions on a Sunday, 
in the way we faithfully, I trust, steward the finance of the life of the church, it aligns with the vision God has given us to reach far, to reach those who are far from Christ, that we would spend our resources, our energy, and our time in endeavors and efforts to reach far. Why do I mention my baby dedications? Because you want to reach people for Jesus. And I'm telling you, you love people and you love their families and love their children. Their hearts open up wide to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not to the name of life changes or a church story. To Jesus. That's what we want. To raise up. We want to see people being raised up and, and become more and more like Jesus within family and within community. And then lastly, to release wide. So that when people leave this place, they are more mature in Jesus. They have a much greater knowledge of who he is, his word, his ways. And in their walk, people would turn around and say, yo, you've grown in that story. Be a blessing for the kingdom of God. That's our desire. That's what we're on about. So this endeavor to speak about finances, not just to tell you give. Although I will tell you, give. It's good for your soul, it's good for the gospel, and it's good for our world when the church is on the forefront of being like God, who is a giver. My Father in heaven is a giver. That's what I see when I read the Bible. First miracle, God gives. He gives, turns water into wine so that a couple are covered from their shame, and he gives them in abundance. He says to us, I'm not just going to give you life. I'm not just going to give you life from death so that one day when you pass away, you'll step into heaven. You'll just scrape. And he says, I'm going to give you John 10, 10 life. I'm going to give you life in abundance. That's the promise God gives us. Too often we don't take him at his word. My job as a believer is to believe his word and to put that belief into action. I'm a believer before I'm a Christian box ticker. And so are you. So this is how we navigate. Show me the money. And um, first and foremost, I want to give you an indication of the health of the finances and the life of the church. Please don't kick out. This isn't meant to be a boardroom meeting. This is a family moment. And if you are one to partner in the story or you, you're considering partner, I trust this would be helpful in saying, actually, what would my return on investment be? Are you allowed to think like that? That's most of the language most of you use in the marketplace. Well, there is a return. It's called kingdom return. Watch a video. I see faces. I know the stories of the behind those faces. I know the salvation and the freedom, and I love it. It's what gets me up in the morning. It's what gets me excited. I'm preaching for the fourth time today, and you're not going to slow me down. We are going to have fun. But first of all, show me the money, just some indicators of the health and the life of this story. The first one is an income or looking at giving in the life of the church. Maybe we can have that slide. And 25.4% increase on last year, meaning September. Last year, September, to this year, August, versus the previous year, those same months, just to get comparison. I want to say thank you. Uh, In tough economic times, it's a miracle. I love telling many, many stories about the church to unsaved family or friends. I love telling the miracles of people's lives. But you know what the one they struggle with the most? Is people actually give to this thing of church to see others come to church. They give to that. They are fascinated by it. And I tell them the details because it's miraculous. It's a sign and wonder, and I'm telling you, it opens up the gateways to more signs and wonders. And I want to say thank you. We do endeavor to work incredibly hard to steward every cent as faithfully and effectively as we can, but I don't take any cent for granted. 
and any amount of giving or any faith in the giving. The second number is income, which is our total income on an income sheet. And, and essentially that includes some sales on Sundays of food and stuff and coffees and all that jazz. It also includes a few sales items. Who knew? We bought a sound desk for 38,000 Rand because our other one was tired and we sold our old one for 22,000 Rand. It's okay. Just letting you know behind the scenes is a family moment. It was working. We didn't con anyone. It's just a really good sound desk that had really good value, and we were able to make a deal on the new one. Come on. Ah, that excites me. Yes, I'm, more, I'm from Durban. I like a deal. I thought I'd let you into that one. <laughs> but, uh, but I want to give you insight. Then what you'll see behind the scenes, and our church chief accountant, Mrs. Sharon Hickman, is in the house. But our, incre- our expenses have increased by 33%. And that's a fact of many things. Number one, just the rising cost of things like electricity. You know what? They don't give it to us for free. I was horrified too when I found out. Shattered. They, they don't give us toilet paper because we're a church for free and we like the good stuff. They just don't. And so there's costs and there's greater usage. In the morning, we have two services. So aircons run for longer. Electricity bill has gone up. I forget the exact number. I think it's about 40%. Bank charges gone up by 40%. Hence, we move banks. Come with us, please, to FNB if you're still using Standard Bank. But um, <laughs> just sharing that one. Uh, please delete that from the thing. And then the last one on the right, I've called it margin. And for our income statement accountants in the house, that is a factor of our net profit at the bottom of the church's income statement, factoring in our balance sheet items that have been purchased. So it's making sure that we understand, are we bringing in more money than we are spending? And although our margin is down in last year, we have about 4.5% margin in our budget, meaning in all our spend, we've spent 95.5% of our 100% income. So we have a margin of 4.5. It gives us a bit of space to save for the future, to invest for things that God is coming. And I tell you all of that to say this. Thank you. Someone asked me this week, he's from a different church background, different context. He said, why, pastor, do you never ask us for money? I'm like, what do you mean? He says, no, my other pastor. He used to phone me often and tell me when he needed money. <laughs> and he says, you've never phoned me. I said, you, I will never phone you. Why? Because number one, I believe God resources his vision, and his vision was the church. And number two, I don't have a clue who gives money in the life of this church. Other people run the finances and the bank statements. I see income statements and balance sheets. And, and we want to make sure that people are free to participate, but we do want to say thank you. It's a miracle, and we take nothing for granted. But then I want to show you how we spend the money and how that aligns to our vision. Because I want to make sure that if people choose to partner, they know what they're getting into. And one of the ways that we do that is splitting out our income into four areas. And don't get shocked by any of them. I'll explain them. The one in the red is our operational costs. And like any organization that has buildings and electricity to pay and staff to pay and a whole bunch of things like that, there are operational costs. In the light of many other churches that are aware, that includes all our salaries, that includes all operational costs, everything to keep the church running, which has increased as we are now multiplying to three venues. So I realize that most here on a Sunday night, and this is your context, you're aware of that. The reality is right now we have three other congregations that are much larger than this, and we are planting a church in the city. Why? I'm going to keep telling you why. We want to see more salvation. In the corner of the room this morning was sitting Menorah and Wachida, two ladies who were part of the Muslim faith. 
Both have encountered Jesus, both encountered a community called a miracle, called a sign and wonder, have walked journeys of faith and freedom and life, and now themselves are bringing faith and freedom and life. Why? Because that's worth it. And even if it was just one person for great endeavors, it would be worth it. I've told the story before, but, but two years ago, the World Cup, the soccer World Cup stopped because 12 Thai kids didn't stop. It carried on, but the world stopped watching it. They started looking for 12 Thai kids under a mountain. You remember it? You know what no one asked? No one said, how much is this costing to get the kids out? Is it worth it? Let's do a cost analysis. No one said that. They sent Navy SEALs and experts and special things where kids could be put inside and breathe in big bags to get them out. Why? Because it's not what it costs. It's what it's worth. And as we navigate, we move forward in these things, we want to make sure that we're on that page. So in these areas, can we jump to the next slide, please? I want to give you insight to what something like a big number of 64% has, because behind every financial story, there's just that, a story. You can see my bank account, but you won't know the story. You won't know the jobs we've had in the past, the times have been tough and the times have been plenty. If I look at some others, married people who've been married for 30, 40 years, go ask their financial story. If you want to have a financial story, sit with people who have financial stories and learn lessons from them. But I will tell you, our story is one of endeavoring to make sure we turn every cent effectively to see the kingdom of God advance and see our costs, our operational costs coming down year on year. It's taken decisions, and you can just ask one of our staff how many quotes they have to get when we look at new things and work hard. They're all nodding because I'm a pain in the butt when it comes to that. We will make sure we steward the finances as, as well as we can. But the endeavor there in the picture there is that this includes everything from um, general running of the church, keeping the lights on, salaries, rent, redheads. I've said it before in the life of this church. Redheads are not cheap. They are expensive, especially in ministry. It's true. And, uh, and, uh, but we have staff to pay, and we want to pay our staff. God has been incredibly faithful and kind in the endeavors to do that. It's a number of things. It's thousands of cups for water. It's all that kind of stuff that we want to see God's kingdom come, and we want to make sure that more of what we receive we can spend rather than just make our thing happen. We don't exist for our thing. The next thing, and I want you to see just before I run on, we're trying to serve a mission. So the next one that you can put up is special events and ministries, and these are everything related to the top line of that vision, reach far. And now years ago, we didn't have the clarity of that vision to say no to a whole bunch of things and say yes to a whole bunch of things. What people don't know, something that arise, like Arise, where we charge an entrance fee, is heavily subsidized to make sure that we can do it well, to make sure we can bring in great speakers and honor them, to serve ladies with incredible excellence. Then the follow-up evenings and the Arise evenings where we serve drinks and stuff. You know what? Macro doesn't give us the stuff for free either. They just don't. It's a miracle. But we said we want to reach far. We said things like Christmas and Easter, we're actually going to not just prepare really well to preach well, we're also going to put our money where our mouth is and make sure we invest. Why? To see people receive and engage the love of God. And so that's why you see that number on the increase, because we want to make sure it's also other things and ministries in the life of the church, like um, youth. This is where youth should get excited. The youth has spent 56% more this last year, which is not enough. We need to spend a lot more. We need to invest more. Why? Because I don't want to do any more teenage funerals. I just don't want to do them. So we've got to reach people with the love of Jesus, with the gospel, 
so that the life of God begins to break into our schools and our youth. We need to see that. It's not what it costs. It's what it's worth. Secondly, an area like Life Kids, where we now have Life Kids in the evening and we have curriculums, we've increased the spend there by 81%. Why? Because that's our vision. If you can reach people's children, you can love them, you can serve them. On the other side of that is a family who encounters something miraculous called the community of Christ. It's a sign and a wonder. But if you can serve their kids and love their kids in a world where most people are overly protective of their kids because the world seems to want to hurt their kids, if we can be a safe space. What about if we invested in some full-time support so that people with children with disabilities or challenges could come to church? What if we invested in a program and made space available to serve them well? What statement does that say about who God is? It doesn't, I don't care what it says about us. What does it say about who God is? So these are the areas. The next one excites me, and um, this is called Beyond Our Walls. And this is where we give to beyond anywhere that we are touching. It's not our ministries. It's not necessarily a benefit to our name or to our staff. Number one, we invest in Wally and Shirley Gerstmeyer, who planted this church and who are still ministering probably 48 weeks out of the year. They are ministering. They are pouring into local churches from Soweto to, um, to the, the west coast of uh, the east coast of, of Natal all the way down to PE. And in Cam Tuesday, in February, they will be in Cambodia ministering the gospel. They've done it for 35 years. They'll continue to be effective. We don't have to give a cent to them. We choose to because they've been effective ministers of the gospel, and it's a good investment. When we look at do we invest, they're a great return of investment for the kingdom of God because we get to invest into a whole bunch of churches in and through them. And then also other areas. We supported last year church plants into Pakistan, Sri Lanka, and we've supported other local church endeavors of church building and advancing. And there's communities in our area we want to serve more. There are economically challenged areas, people running church where people are unable to give. We can help. We aren't the most affluent area in Cape Town, but God has blessed us in a way that we can now sow and be a blessing to the city. So that is an increase. It's also an increase in much greater numbers, which we want to see more in. Plus, it's an endeavor to serve the poor in our city, poor in our community and in the city, and reaching into areas. And we want to increase that because we feel that's a mandate of God. I trust this is your takeaway from tonight, that our money is where our mouth is because our master is God. And if it doesn't touch our money, as a church, we're in trouble because that's what we're preaching to individuals. And that's why it's important that you understand. And if you're going to partner in the story, and the last one is the heart for the house, where we have invested. And last year, we spent on sound systems and some things for Milneton and, and a, a, a large amount of money sorting out this outside area so that we can host elements. But we've been given. This building is paid off, not by me. It was paid off by a generation before us, 70 or so people who met here, who moved onto this land with faith and courage. And there were no houses and there were no buildings any side here. And they said, we're going to build something. We're going to invest our finances, our time, our effort, our talents to put a stake in the ground that declares the name of Jesus. Why? Said so young people and older people and rich people and poor people and black, white, Indian, colored, whatever people can encounter the love of Jesus. We're going to pay a price. They did that 12 years ago. We need our own generational faith story, and this is part of it. I want to give you the vision because, like I've encouraged people all day, if you want to have a story that counts, you need a vision. 
Right now, maybe even God is stirring, but you're saying, I, I can't. I've got no margin, no space in my finances. What I would say, get a vision and let your vision be determined by the word of God and trust God to navigate the steps that are necessary to achieve that vision. That's how life works. Get a vision. This is our vision. We currently spend 8.7% heart for the house. We want to spend 10% making sure that we leave a legacy for future generations. It might look like other properties. It might look like investing in St. Andrew's Presbyterian because they're a kingdom story and we get to partner with them. And they don't have the resources to do that right now. But we do. We want to invest 20% and beyond our walls, making sure that as we call the church to be generous, we as a church are generous. I honestly believe you put a, uh, like that baptismal font of water and you leave it. If you leave it there for a couple of days, that water will start going funky. You put a little inlet and a little outlet and put some water through. It'll stay all right for a while, but it'll eventually go off. You put a big inlet and a big outlet and there's a flow. That water will stay healthy for years. That's what we need to be as a church and as individuals. We want to be conduits of God's goodness and grace to our lives. And lastly, we want to keep working hard to get our operational costs down. Not by scrimping and scraping because that's not who our God is, but by trusting God to provide so we can invest in other areas for kingdom effectiveness. That was a lot. Are you guys all right? Uh, we're a family. If you're visiting church tonight and you're saying, I've just popped in and the guy's talking about money. You're on WhatsApp right now messaging your mates and you won't believe it. I'm okay with that. I think there's just something much bigger called eternity. I want to invest, and I've made decisions for years. And for 21, 20 years, I'm 41 years old. I started working in corporate in 20, at 21. I've trusted God. If you're young today and you're choosing decisions to make, allow the Word of God to define what your word. I want to give some context to that, what it looks like to be and walk in that space. Because, yes, we have finances coming in, and this church is faithful, but we have, I think it's about 160 or 170 on average regular givers. I don't know who they are, but Sharon is able to count EFTs. And then we have cash givers monthly, which is amazing. But it also tells me there's a lot of people within our community haven't participated and aren't committed in that way. And that's okay. I'm not here to judge or bring condemnation. I'm here to encourage because I know this and I believe this. On the other side of trusting God in the area of finance, there is freedom and order. On the other side of trusting God, His peace engages my story in ways that I could never do or manipulate on my own. So what does it look like to participate? Well, why we give? Number one, we give as an act of worship. So you say, well, why don't we have a moment and someone gets up and encourages the church to give and take out your wallets, your phones, and stop everything. No, we just do it during worship because it's part of our worship. And my worship doesn't start in a month when I get to church and we sing the first song. My worship starts when I receive my income because I earn a salary from the life of the church. And the first thing I do is I push a button that says give away. Why? Because I'm shouting to my own soul that defaults to smallness. You will stay big because your God is big. And salvation brought a spaciousness to your soul that you can't let anyone take away. It's an act of worship. I want to tell you, I give because it's an act of love. I love people. I, I love people. People have hurt me, a whole bunch of things, but there's nothing more I love in this world than people. Why? Because he loves people. And his mission and mandate and his plan A for the world to love people was in and through the local church. 
to see salvation and healing and freedom. And I honestly believe the local church should be raising up politicians, economists, nurses, doctors, people with strategies to change the world. Why more could that happen than in the presence of God together, worshiping Him? Where? I think it's spectacular. The potential. But when we understand and allow that love to translate and touch every area of our lives, that's why when we get baptized, we don't sprinkle. Because sprinkle just touched my hair and messes up my hair. No, when I get pushed underwater, it touches every part of me. My stinky toes goes in my ears, it goes up my nose, it goes everywhere. Why? Because I need the love of Jesus and the blood of Jesus to touch every part of my life, including my finances, including my time, and including my talents. Let me do a little punt for the worship guys. If you can sing, stop sitting on your gift. Stop being selfish with your time. If you can play a guitar, a bass guitar, electric guitar, and you're there at home in your earphones, you're the only person in the world can hear it, stop it. Become like your father and give it away, and I promise you will find life. <laughs> you're looking at a guy who didn't do it until he was 25 years old, and I knew it for years. Are we give as an act of freedom. Again, I will never know if you do or don't give. It's such a freeing thing for me. It's awesome. And I don't want to know why, because it's your freedom to participate in it. The only people in the life of this church that I ask, do you give and do you tithe? And I'll explain tithing a little bit, but the only people I ask that are the elders. Why? Because I can't, and as a team, we can't lead this church without walking in a way that reveals God and with authenticity and honor. God can't bless and I wouldn't bring someone on as a leader and an elder in the life of the church unless they participated in it, not just with their time and their talents, but also their treasures. And lastly, we give as an act of trust. And every time I push that button or I put money into the box, and please rather EFT, Sharon will tell you, because it saves us a lot of bank charges. But every time I do that, I'm shouting at my soul that defaults to smallness all too often, and I'm saying, there is one king who is seated on the throne. There is one Lord. There is one provider for my soul and every gift and talent and ability he has given me anyway. So I will trust him. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it doesn't make sense. So what do we give and what do we teach as a church? And you're gonna find some interesting stuff out there if you go Google searching. You, you will find interesting stuff. I will tell you, we believe in giving a portion of your income and, and we do believe that tithing was not, is not a law that is upon God's people. It was before the law, there was tithing. It was presented after the law. It is a godly principle given to believers as a base level of Christianity understanding to fight for the freedom in one's heart and soul. What do you mean, Mark? Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't always wake up, especially when I have little, and saying, I want to give away. But my soul has to respond to the word of God. And I believe tithing like brushing your teeth. I've got kids, brush your teeth. Ah, oh, but I'm tired, I'll do it on Tuesday. No, if you do it on Tuesday, you won't have teeth when you're older. Brush your teeth. It's a good principle. Eat food. We get that one. Give. A priority in your life. Become a giver and watch God provide. Secondly, we believe that we give a first portion. It's the first thing I pay. And I remember being 21, 22 years old at a student loan of 48,000 rand. Actually, at one stage, it was 48,470 rand. I just know that because it was an important number to me. I didn't like it. And every month, 
an amount would come off my bank account. And I knew that if I could put more in, that student loan would come down a lot quicker. So in my rationalizing head, I'm going, well, why don't I just take the title, give it there, and then eventually I'll be a much bigger. But that's not how it works. I don't trust in man's wisdom to overcome strategies. I trust in the God of heaven. And we give a portion because, and we give it first because God says, God, seek God's kingdom first. I'm trying to help you. Honestly, like you can see, we are feeding our staff, we are paying salaries, and God has been kind to us. This is not a punt to increase the finances of the life of the church. This is a punt for every person who calls this home to walk in the full blessing that God has for them. That's what I want. And we give to advance God's kingdom in and through the local church. Again, it's lovely being a, a, a generous man where everyone knows it's your generosity, but that's where the rewards will stop. When I give to something like the local church and those funds, a car was given two weeks ago at Milton to someone. Someone gave it, brought it, said, hey, guys, who do you think we would be a blessing? I don't want to be known. And that car was given to someone in the community spectacularly. And do you know that happens all the time? It's called tithing. So single moms can get helped sometimes in the life of the church when they're in pressure. So that sometimes people are in trouble times within the community, can't find freedom, and food vouchers are given. And this stuff happens behind the scenes. It happens. But it happens in community and life, and we want to see it more. We want to keep seeing. So how do we give some quick things? We give consistently. I've done it for 20 years now. I'm not standing as someone who gave it a go last January and it's worked for the last while. I'm telling you with integrity and honesty, my wife's, my wife who was sitting there. Um, <laughs> can? <laughs> she can back it up. This has been a priority for us well before I was ever wanting. Well, I, I didn't want to be a pastor, to be brutally honest. But I wanted to live a life that pleased my Father in heaven because I knew it would go well with me. Secondly, we give sacrificially. Sacrificially. Sometimes it's going to sting. Sometimes it won't make sense. It won't always make sense. But we give sacrificially. Why? Because I'm trying to be like my Father in heaven who said there's a debt to be paid. A transaction's got to be made. Their sin and their brokenness doesn't have a way. Lastly, we give joyfully, and please, if you can't find joy in your heart, please don't give a cent. I mean it. If you are giving, please stop. Don't stop there. Go to the Word of God. Find life and joy in His instruction and direction for your life, and become a joyful giver, because then there'll be joyful fruit in your life and the kingdom of God. And lastly, give expectantly. Yes, we know that the Prosperity guys will shout, and Corinthians tells us in 2 Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously, so run up and put your money on the stage now. You're never going to see that here. I'm just telling you. You'll, I'll never take an offering after speaking about finances because I won't manipulate a cent out of anyone. I'm a marketing guy. I know how to do that. It's what I did for 10 years. I won't do that because unless it is revelation of Jesus and the goodness of God, We'll never give out of a heart that brings him joy. And I want my giving and my sacrifice to bring him joy. And lastly, under the instruction of Jesus and every through his gospel, remember the poor. You know where it starts for me? If you've got people working in your home and you have the privilege of someone who comes in once a week to clean your house, pay them well. If you have someone working on your car and um, they are a little shop. I'm not talking about big boys. 
pay them what they ask. Pay them well. And then be generous to the city around us and participate in a much bigger story called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I do want to prepare as we prepare. We don't do offerings all the time. We hardly ever do them. But next year is our 21st birthday. We are having a party. And as a church, we want to invest and and take up an offering for the future of what God has for us in terms of facilities and reaching. Because I don't think the city is the last place we're going to plant a church as a family. So we want to invest and sow into the endeavors that God has for us. And we'll do that next year. This is what Jesus says, and I'm going to finish with this. He gave them an answer, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. I want to be generous because my father in heaven is generous. I want to be like him. It's all I want. If I achieve something along the way, that's great. If we get honored by men, that's great. But if my father at the end of that story doesn't go, my son, you were a faithful steward with the gifts, the time, the talents, and the treasures I gave you. I've missed the point of the whole story. Can we stand, please, together? If you just want to say a few key takeaways. First of all, again, to those who are currently giving, and behind the scenes without any thank yous or anyone, I want to say thank you. This church doesn't receive dollars from anywhere, pounds from anywhere, euros from anywhere, or money from any denomination. This church runs and I get paid and Gabe gets paid. We are able to do what we do by the generosity of this community. And we don't take that for granted. For those who cannot give right now because there's chaos maybe in your finances, There's brokenness in your story, maybe a legacy of the past. I ask you one thing. Find yourself on your knees before God and allow the government of God to come upon you because it will release the Prince of Peace. You see, we love Jesus, the Prince of Peace. But you know what comes before that scripture in Isaiah is the government rests on his shoulders. If you want the Prince of Peace, allow his government, his word, his will, and his ways to come upon you. Which means you might need to change some things like spending behaviors. Like not buying things you can't afford right now. Like changing expectations right now and investing for a future harvest. You might need to change some things. But I promise you, if there's faith in the changes and a desire to please God, there will be the provision of heaven on the other side of that story. I want to speak to young people who have a choice to make. How will I live and who will I live for? Make a wise choice. Trust God. For those who maybe don't give, maybe don't want to give, maybe there's some interesting theology that you would disagree if I would mention a word like tithing. Can I ask this? Let's talk. Let's sit down and talk. Why? Because living in denial or or living in naivety or maybe even a lack of vision in an area doesn't actually mean we haven't chosen a route. You're still choosing a route. You're still choosing to trust your own ability. And I was going to preach today on Matthew 4 and Jesus and the temptations or the testings. But the very first test, the enemy comes to and says, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Because he'd been fasting for 40 days. Christians have been trying to turn stones into bread for far too long. 
My journey is not to try and turn a stone into bread. My journey is to run to the bread of life and find wholeness and healing in the fullness of Jesus. To trust him with my everything because I've been baptized all in, in him. And begin to walk a life that looks different. That the world will say there's something different there. Maybe it's a sign pointing to someone different. His grace and his gospel. Eternity matters. Because what we do on this side of eternity matters. I said it earlier. But the cross was a transaction. Your sin. Your brokenness. On one side of the scale. And something had to break in. And I don't think the conversation in heaven went something like this. Sorry, Jesus. It's your turn to take one for the team. Oh, Father, no. No, they messed up. Now, I, I think our Savior said, God, they have no way. Father, they've got no way. What if I went and died the death they can't die? And the transaction can take place. And I'm going to trust you on the other side of that transaction as your son, so that your sons and daughters can keep trusting you. This thing of eternity and finances boils down to one thing. Do I trust the God of heaven? That's it. We can make it a million other things and self-justify why we won't invest. Or we can trust him. Can we close our eyes as I pray for us? Oh Lord, I pray for every person here. I pray not one person would leave this place in any kind of bondage. It's the opposite of what I want, God. I want to see you, God. And I want men and women to see you. And then we see you, we will, the only way we can respond is to trust you. Your goodness, your grace, your perfection, your sustaining power. I pray for those that right now are saying, Mark, I want to, but I can't. I pray for courage to start a journey towards order and peace. I pray, find humility. Find an ability to sit with someone who's got a longer story, a fruitful story, and ask for guidance. Find yourself on your knees before the Word of God and under the Spirit of God to lead you in the steps of righteousness which leads to peace and fruitfulness. And maybe it'll be years. Uh, I've got a friend. It took him nine years to pay off a debt that wasn't his. He inherited from a partner. And he plowed and he plowed and he plowed and he paid off that debt. Maybe that's your story. I want to tell you there's a God with you. He's with you. Maybe the debt collectors are at your door and the summons is stapled to your door. I want to tell you there's a God. If you will call on his name, he is the Father in heaven. He's always had his eyes on you, and he's just looked for one thing. He's looked for his sons and daughters to turn to him again. Turn to him. Turn. And fix your eyes on him. And the peace of heaven breaks into the chaos of my life and your life. And God gets all the glory. We worship you, God. We praise you, King. We trust you, God. We give you glory and honor. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you changed it all. Have all the glory, all the honor, King Jesus. We worship you, King.